The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. Today, we have an old friend back on the show. We had such a great time last time. It was extremely informative, and he always has such insight into our flexible packaging industry, what's happening in the retail world globally. Plus, he's just great to hang out with. But first, let me introduce him. Andrew Cousins is an international packaging entrepreneur with a reputation internationally for bringing packaging customers and producers together for success. Born in Cape Town, Africa, Andrew followed in his father's footsteps and founded his own firm during university, working on packaging projects in the rigid packaging industry. From the successes there, he joined Guala Group in South Africa and drove the international business model, expanding the firm into the new creative market for wine packaging. In 2008, he was asked to join Paxis Global in Switzerland as a packaging specialist in the international sales team. Traveling all over the world, he built factories in countries as diverse as the Ukraine, India, and Croatia. As he took up the entrepreneurial role again, his new wine packaging company took him from the UK to Spain and then to California, where he first met the flexible packaging market, namely stand-up pouches directly in an interesting project for wine, again in stand-up pouches. Impressed by the range of options, he expanded into this new world and soon wound up working with Selpac Packaging, a dynamic Swiss firm specializing in finding solutions to impossible flexible packaging problems. Andrew lives in Bern, Switzerland, together with his wife and two small children. Andrew, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, it's great to be back, Dave. Uh, I've got to say, I've enjoyed uh, everything that we've spoken about since we first uh, linked up. It must have been two or three months ago. Yep, exactly. Um, Fantastic. No, it's really great. And uh, to sort of have the chance to chat about what's been happening in the market here and uh, and over in the States uh, with you is just going to be a great opportunity today. Well, it's what's cool is that, um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about before the show is that, and I'm going totally unscripted. That's the nice thing. But you and I are friends and we can just chat about stuff. So I've got this laundry list of stuff to chat about. But what's really cool is that the things that happen overseas uh, in the UK, in Switzerland, um, frankly, in Asia, um, there's a lot of stuff that really hasn't trickled over here into the States yet. So you really are giving us a great look at, you know, some things that maybe we haven't even seen in North America. Uh, and that's pretty cool, especially for companies that are listening, trying to get an edge on their competition. 
Now, I mean, what you can see here, and uh, you can really watch it happening live. You know, if you if you think about uh, sort of cooking potatoes or whatever it is, like Europe is a bunch of very small potatoes in a big pot. Right. So the potatoes cook through pretty quickly. So ideas, concepts, decorations travel pretty fast. Over in the in the U.S., that's a big potato. You know, some of the biggest potatoes I've ever seen in my life <laughs> were in the U.S. You know? When I was right. in Alabama, I was like, "What exactly? What is this?" And they said, "That's a potato." I said, "Are you sure?" <laughs> so uh, when it comes to uh, to new ideas, they really rattle through like all the countries in their own style. But uh, you right. can really see it on the shelves. Well, it's it's interesting too because a lot of times there are companies that will, um, you know, they're always trying to evolve, and, and packaging is one of those those cool things that um, you can. Um, I don't want to say inexpensively, but really for a lot less than than a, a whole big uh, manufacturing capital expenditure. What I'm getting at is, you know, changing your packaging style is a very uh, economical way um, to really kind of freshen things up and change a brand and refresh a brand. And uh, in this day and age on the store shelves, I mean, goodness gracious, that may be all it takes to kind of separate a one, you know, particular type of cereal or potato like you were talking about or um, from another. And, and packaging is key. Well, this is, uh, I mean, this is exactly what, what we see, you know, and it's always interesting when you, you know, you, people sometimes accuse me and you of maybe sort of preaching to the choir or whatever it is, but we get a right. chance to really see it happen. I mean, you know, you think like uh, in the pet food side of things, you know, there's nothing new. Pet food has been in flexible packaging for a long time now. Um, and of course, I'm involved there. And we, we watched a, a new customer, a, a guy in, in fish food doing a, yeah. a fantastically uh, sort of already a pretty average thing decide no ways I want to take this to the next level so there was decoration in there there was metallic finishes and uh, he got such an increase in business from repackaging uh, and creating what is a tremendously beautiful picture it's the most beautiful thing uh, that uh, my company's ever printed Uh, just by changing it it's the same stuff inside giving it new colors giving it bold names uh, he totally revitalized uh, his brand uh, to the point where he's actually uh, come back again to take it into the world of that you know very well, the stand-up pouch. I'm sure. Rich, right? I mean, this is something that's never happened before because he had so much success. And uh, yeah, he's some surprise. You know? He said, like, why didn't I do this earlier? You know, like, I wasn't sure if it was going to work. <laughs> so uh, it's very exciting to see every now and again that uh, what we kind of say is really is really brings results to sort of small businesses. This guy is, I guess, a small to medium. Uh, what we're saying is is happening all around us, and, and guys can make money if they if they really pay attention to the market. Why do you think that is that that they think or companies? I know said they, but companies in general. And I'm going to stay with that because I had a client that reached out to us today, and 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 I thought it was an interesting use of words where he was packaging or wants to package. He had, he had, he he was originally from Brazil. Was was doing a fruit juice kind of ramped up that business, sold it to you know made gazillions. It's it's all good, but he's doing this again in a different type of uh, of niche. But anyhow, long and short. He wants to package his juice in a pouch, and uh, it's going to be um, sold here in the States. So it's going to be packaged in Brazil and shipped here in the States. But one of the words that he used is he said, I don't want what everybody else has. I want the packaging to be disruptive. And I love that because it's, it speaks to you and me and the fact that being disruptive um, can really, like you said, separate you know, the competition and, frankly, build business. 
I mean, this is, this is exactly it. You know, if you look at the, the packaging world in your average store, um, if, you, if you look in the wine packaging, you know, like, it's looked the same. It, it kind of must look the same. You know, if you read the fine print, sometimes you're impressed. But today, people are so, they're even, no, at no time than ever before have people been more visually orientated. If you think about Instagram, Facebook, filter, no filter, what is it, Snapchat, all these crazy things. It's all about pictures and photographs and making it look not real. Um, so, uh, when you try and sort of bring something hugely visual right. into uh, flexible packaging, you can make the whole package a photograph, the whole package. All totally. the way around, it's completely that. And I think this is what people are cottoning onto. And that was the fish food man. That's what he said. He turned his whole package into a fish tank. You know, that was <laughs> but but isn't it interesting? Do you run into the same thing o- overseas in the fact that companies think of packaging at the last minute? I mean, yes, the fish guy uh, and my guy here today with disruptive technology and disruptive packaging. But do you run into that a lot with your clients and, and that, that think of packaging at the last minute and kind of like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do with it. Throw it in a box or stick it in a bag in another box or something. Do you run into that like we do here in the States? Yeah, the bigger the firm, uh, the absolute last minute it is. You know, there's just uh, a packaging. It kind of you know, like, there it is. Make it, and you kind of say, "Oh, guys, you forgot to send us." Uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. art, the artwork. How it must look, or something like this. Right. Um, I would say this. This is where the startup guys, the smaller yeah. guys, and I don't mean the one man shows, uh, have the advantage because the big guys they've printed the same red turkey. Uh, to talk about Thanksgiving sure, for, right. for 15 years. You know, it's the same turkey on the same wrapping. And they're like, we love the turkey and it's not changing. Um, and I say that it's just not a, it's not a consideration. And, and I think you hit on, a, on, a, on a, um, a point that I think is interesting, especially for a lot of our listeners, is that if you are a small player and, and not the mom and pop one or two person firm, but if you are a small player trying to gain market share um, and looking to out hustle, uh, another operative word, they're out hustling the big boys. Um, you know, look to your packaging. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go out there and create a new formula for, you know, there's some sort of cutting edge like you talked about with your with your uh, fish um, food guy. It's the same product. He mm-hmm. revamped his packaging that totally kind of vaulted and, and, and resulted in, um, in, in increased business and obviously greater profitability. Yeah, this is that. I mean, this is something that it, it's, it's so, at least in Europe, um, the sort of the, the how it looks is m- sort of secondary to how it functions. But in the right. wine business, like because the guys were trying something new, how it looked, the colors, the writing, what it said, how it addressed, how you marketed it was the most critical, was the biggest office in the whole plant was about graphic design, artwork, getting the message across, new names. And I mean, it was quite something. And I think that for the flexible guys that realize the power in this visual world, I said not to create the upside down, backwards, you know, like kind of, sort of bend your mind, but just to be really creative. Uh, I think they have a complete advantage. And you can see these things on the shelves. Um, when the guys just, it's not about going crazy. It's just about using what you in the States and what I am in Switzerland, what we have just off the shelf, what we can really produce. Um, well, 
one of the things you and I both learned a, a while ago is that people buy with their eyes, and that's what they see is the packaging when when they're going through that through that store aisle. And and frankly, people have just a couple of seconds. I know studies have said three seconds or five seconds, whatever it is. It's a quick period of time, and and, and you you've got to be able to have that packaging that stands out, um, that literally just kind of catches their attention. Um, and, and like your fish guy really kind of makes that person kind of stand back and go, this is the most incredible picture I've seen on a package in a long time. And, you know, and that's when you really get them. That's your hook. And, and to anybody out there that wants to, um, you know, to, to build market share and to out hustle the competition, whether they're big or small, look to your packaging for Pete's sake. I mean, you really, you really have opportunities there. No, t- completely. Like uh, it's a kind of a challenge, you know? and in a way, I would like to change how how we do business to right. really bring to the forefront. Say, actually, guys, this is not just some dreary factory. This is where a place where your product managers can really, really push the envelope in terms sure. of what we can. And and it's it's something that we enjoy to do uh, because you can really see these articles on the on the shelves. And if you yeah. talk to many of the customers who've pushed the edge a little bit. It results in increased turnover because the, they simply stand out better to then the sort of plain labeled black and Ugh. white sort of Ugh. pouch next to it. And, and to be honest, I think a lot of people are a little bit scared how it works. You know, this graphic designer with their Apple Mac Pros or whatever, maybe oh. uh, it's a different <laughs> world for the, for the guys, the startup entrepreneur who really sure. wants to get his hands dirty. I don't know. Well, and, and the graphic design thing, you, you, you hit on another good topic or a good point because a lot of times uh, people do get intimidated with that kind of stuff. They understand, um, you know, the, the labels or they understand, um, you know, how to print a business card, if you will. But trying to translate that into something that looks like artwork, if you will, that looks like very visually stunning um, for a lot of people that that are uninitiated and just don't understand it. It can be very intimidating, and and unfortunately, people get caught up with that and tend to kind of go back to what they know, which is the silly brown box with a stick-on label. For Pete's sake, now that's this that kind of ties right into uh, some impressive stuff that that we're working on and that I've seen as well, which is the world of digital printing. Yep. Um, which is it's a very interesting world. I say it, it takes away all the complication that uh, exists with your sort of conventional printing processes, but adds in its own kind of different complexities at the same time. Uh, it's quite something for me. I mean, I've worked on heavy printing machines my whole career, right? Uh, and to, to send off a PDF and have it back on a pouch, sort of the next day, <laughs> I have to say was something I'd never seen. Of course, now. There were other things to consider, but this is something that's very hot over here in Europe at the moment. This kind of shortcut way, like it's easy to understand because your average graphic designer comes out of university. He's used yep. to printing on a desk jet, and you show him a printing machine that's capable of printing half a million pouches, and he doesn't even he doesn't know what it is. So uh, whilst digital printing is still sort of brand new and in its infancy, uh, it attracts so much attention in my inbox from uh, customers wanting to know how it works. Yeah, and there's and, and that's and it's interesting um because we've got the same setup here in the US and it's definitely a, a gaining traction number one um getting a lot of attention um and there's a lot of people that um can benefit from it, meaning um, we are finding a lot of clients that want to use it when they've got to have a client meeting. 
And instead of taking in a drawing or a sketch or even a mocked up sample with a stick on label like we talked about, um, they're actually able to take in a printed sample or two or three and make that client really be blown away by the graphics. Um, you've got, you know, you've got those people that are at a trade show and they want to be able to pass out samples that get someone's attention. And to be able to do that with a very short run um, is totally a game changer. Have you found the same thing? Exactly right. Like uh, a client of ours is, is going to be able to go with 100 vouchers to yep. talk to their major buyers yep. who are going to take this to the next level uh, and to bring this kind of flexibility. And, you know, we've changed the design. We've fiddled around with this uh, at no, almost no cost. It would, it would be impossible to do this with a... Uh, a conventional printing machine, but of course, uh, because digital printing is uh, is just brand new, it's not at all suited to volume business. It's right. as you say, it's totally a, a quick hit. It's like in rugby, it's like an impact player. You know, you right. can't play the whole game because you'll he'll run you'll <laughs> run out of steam. But he can come around and absolutely run like a madman for ten yep. minutes and score score a touchdown. And that's that's kind of where digital printing comes in. Is that it blows you away. Um, and sort of really can open doors. And uh, I kind of encourage my customers, have a chat, have a think. Well, you, and a yep. lot of them are, are kind of, it's brand new. They, they, they don't know it exists because they come from the sort of very standard packaging. And, it, and, and, it's, and it's what's, what makes it wonderful is that it's, uh, like you said before, it's something you can literally do on a dime. You get your PDF at, at 5 and in the morning uh, you've, got, you know, you've got finished samples on your desk. I mean, it, it just blows your way. I had to crack up laughing. I had to say I never, I never experienced something like that before. It was, uh, it was great. You just like wow. You know? um, but then you you talk to the guys about how big a lot size is for them, and you know where uh, your conventional printing line, the guys are are having agony because it's so small. The digital guys say it's too much. You know, it'll take us all day. You know, because right. uh, the machines are different different things. So like like in life, you know, you can't have it all. You have, to, you have to kind of play, play around. But that, that's yep. where we come in. That's, where, that's oh, yeah. where a little bit of education, that's where this show is taking us, Dave. I've got to, I have to Thank you. Just absolutely take my hat off to say that uh, what, you, what you're putting on, on the internet for people to listen to, I think it's just the music to the ears of the new entrepreneurs who want to get stuff out there on the shelves with new names, new brands uh, as quickly as possible. So, yeah, okay, well, like, enough, of the, enough of the like, flattery, but I say that's the truth. But it, and I appreciate that because what's what's at the end of the day, both you and I are trying to educate our clients and educate. And when we educate them, they understand or get the the um, or they should get the understanding that we know what the hell we're talking about. You know what I mean? And um, it's it's we're trying to explain or teach people, and the more we can do that, uh, the better off it is for everybody. Now that's exactly it. I mean. Uh, I was talking to a guy, hang on, he's a Swedish guy in France uh, two weeks ago who's joining the big rush of, uh, what should we say, cereal-based products in plastic right. bags in cardboard boxes oh. uh, that are moving to a single-piece pack there in flexible packaging. Yep. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's like all of a sudden, you'll have a technical meeting and three or four of the guys are working on the same project for four different customers just in the same segment, you go. How does that? How can we be having like cereal day or cereal week? And it, it, it's the same with powders and things like this. Sure. And to sit down to this guy who's been in cardboard boxes and plastic bags for more than ten years, 
and kind of chat about the way we can play with sizes, the way we can play with the way you can open it. You can take the same pouch, you can put a zipper in it, you can put a spout in it, you know, uh, with different sizes. Right. You can make it shorter, taller on the same machine. Uh, the, the guy was right, are you, you know, like, are you serious? You know, like this would be impossible in the world of cardboard, you know, like this, that, and can I have like multiple colors, you know, and can I do <laughs> metallics? And you know, it's like a new toy for like, a kid at Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. And the guy was, and, uh, this was, this was the whole thing. And you just go like, wow. And, but you see it happening on the shelves every week you go into the shop and there's a new, be it grain or be it some sort of, uh, funky, uh, nut mix or whatever that's moved from a cardboard box uh, into a into a, a, a pouch with reclosable. That's the big thing. You can open it and close it, drop it, and it doesn't pour stuff everywhere. And uh, yeah, it's 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 happening all at the same time, which is really cool. What do you think was it for that guy in particular? I know we're all fetching at straws, if you will, but what is it that that kind of got to him, or or what opened his eyes to say, we got to try something different than the bag in a box kind of thing. Um, you know, because I'm curious, because we run into the same thing here, where it's kind of like, we almost want to say, well, where have you been? We've been trying to sell you um, this kind of stuff for the last five years or more on the flexible packaging. But what, you know, what was it that kind of, do you think of this particular client pushed him over the edge to try something new? I think there were uh, the two biggest reasons here. I think the number one was uh, flexibility in sizes. Someone told him about the range of sizes available off the shelf from a pouch manufacturer. That was the big thing. He was like, wow, Uh, because he supplies the same stuff in different volumes uh, around the world. And the second thing was the whole convenience factor, which you can't get in a cardboard box. Right. Being able to, I mean, be able to open and close with a zipper but have been able to open and close with a large spout he said many of the guys who use it in bulk often say that when they open it you know they can't close it or if it falls over and so he'd love this one piece functional packaging and uh, in terms of pricing like with the volumes that he's talking about the mixes we can get pretty aggressive so you can just say his customers kind of encouraged him to say Maybe there's a better way out there. Right. That was exactly. that was sort of the drive, you know. But what you can also say is that these guys have no idea about what a pouch is. You know, like, this is something that was very amazing. Uh, that how it works and what it can do. You may I may as well be talking uh, water on Mars or whatever. Right. Uh, like right. it was. This was really quite a surprise because you would, these are packaging specialists, but the the pouch really blurs the line between bag and box. You know, it, it's it's interesting because a lot of it's a great segue into one of the things you've taught me when we were together last is, and I'll fill people in when we were together for in New York. But the 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 one thing that I it was interesting is is the unique sizes. You had mentioned something about this past customer about size and convenience, but one of the things that a lot of people don't understand that's available. Um, because they, in our mainstream kind of retail world, they see the small handheld sizes of, of certain, you know, for cereal or coffee or whatever. But one of the things you taught me is that there's this whole other world out there with these big, massive, like that king size, uh, 12 pound stand up pouch you showed me, um, before with a, what was it a spout at the top of it or whatever. Yeah. There's a ton of things that are that's that are that are that are that are possible with flexible packaging that you couldn't even fathom in other types of packaging. 
Yeah, this this is something that we see. Uh, I think in Europe, uh, because the guys are really pushing the edge for transport. You see the number of trucks, and Cellpac right. uh, does a lot of business with the sort of technical building guys, uh, which was kind of the, the groundbreaking. Because these guys were looking for packaging that met the demanding requirements of ready mix concrete cement yes. spe- special yes. additives. Makes sense. Uh, but still were able to be relatively compact and not take up too much space. Um, and so this pushed us uh, right into the sort of really heavy laminates that survived the drop tests and the bash tests and the, the uh, sort of puncture tests. And this has put us in great stead for some seriously large stand-up pouches. And that means, oh. that means a pre-made pouch that you can fill. And so the, the biggest pouch that we've made, uh, I guess in terms of, what would that be in pounds? It's got to be somewhere around, if you filled it with water, it's going to be around 30 to 40 pounds, I guess. Wow. But it was never huh. designed, it, it was designed to, to be in a sort of, in a, in a holder. That one doesn't sure. stand up. That's for the building industry. It was a, a form of sort of super quick drying concrete. Yep. But the, the flashiest thing and the thing that I'm going to send you, we're going to make it next week, was this fish food guy who wants the appearance, like he, uh, the stand-up pouch, uh, is able to sort of present itself. You know, it doesn't crunch on top of, on top of uh, sort of the other bags or bend over. It stands up and it puts that fish tank right in your yep. face. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's the kind of difference. Think Next time you go into a fish shop, the small stuff stands down. The big stuff is kind of all a bit crinkled and lying over. He yep. wanted that to really present itself. And so a stand-up pouch with a, ha- with a handle, with a grip, uh, to make one uh, that can hold over 12 pounds worth of fish food in this case uh, is a record, record for us. You could say before this was the world of the, the heavy cleaning industry or the heavy industry. But now the guys are taking what used to be, you could say in this case, what used to be just in a sack and putting it in a presentation device. Right. That was his big thing. He says, this stands up and I, the guys can see it. It's, like, you know, it's not leaning over or fall, falling over. It stands up. So... There's a world out there in liquids and in dry stuff in Europe in very large pouches that, for me, it makes it kind of exciting because the U.S. bigger is better. You know, like uh, I think when, when this kind of gets to the U.S., that the guys really understand that you can have uh, a gallon in a very comfortable, easy-to-hold, easy-to-pour, flexible package. Yep. I think it's going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be amazing. You're going to transform what America pays for transport of packaging is going to transform uh, how America handles packaging waste when you're dealing yep. with a one-gallon or one-and-a-half-gallon sort of plastic tub that you can't do anything with. I think it's just going to absolutely transform the, the average uh, housewife's number of black bags oh, yeah. to fill with these things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, no, it's very exciting. It's, uh, well, we're it, it's it about 10 days, and, and I, must fill, I must actually fill up this... Uh, uh, concrete pouch and actually see what it actually holds. <laughs> I'd love to know it. I'd love to know it. No. You know, it was interesting. I was at, um, you were at PAC Expo, I believe in Vegas, mm. right? That's mm. when Fantastic. you went on. And, and, um, and I was at PAC Expo, the one in Chicago last year. And I remember um lady that walked through was a packaging designer for Clorox. Is Clorox a brand that you guys have overseas? I guess not. What do you say? Uh, 
It's what a bleach. They, they, they make do? bleach. So it's kind of like a, um, and bleach is kind of like a chemical, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so it's, and you can use bleach for cleaning. You can use bleach for um, the, you know, almost like an insecticide. It's just a, it's a nasty kind of, bleach is just bleach. It's a chemical. You know, you don't drink yeah, it or whatever. I think it's, uh, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to try and impress you, it's, uh, it's a chlor- chlorine-based uh Chlorine-based solvent or what's it? A chemical of some kind. And yes. I know it it, it, it uh, eats fabrics if you're not careful. Yes. But it's, it, now, uh, in terms of bleach itself, to be honest, I, the what they'd call it here in Europe, uh, outside of the UK, I'm not so sure. But uh, all your kind of heavy uh, lime-scale removing chemicals yep. that you get here are yep. all in flexible packaging. Every one of them, and then every every few months, there's a, a few more. You know. Uh, uh, including the very aggressive ones that uh, can dissolve most things, are, are in, uh, in flexible packaging. And that's something that has not hit, and we're determined, with your help, we're going to get there. Because what this lady was saying to me, now Clorox is the, is the 900-pound gorilla. They're the Nestle's of that industry, right? They're the big yeah. player. And, uh, and she came up because she was really excited. She had seen some of these big um, windshield washer fluid that we had. And, and there were basically, I think it was a, uh, maybe two gallons of yeah. windshield washer fluid, maybe even four. I can't remember. It was a big bag. And it was hand to handle, just like you were describing before. And, um, and she goes, boy, we got to change our, our packaging because we, we ship in these two-gallon jugs, these white um, plastic jugs, which, of course, like you were saying before, Andrew, they take up a ton of space. They cost a ton to store and to ship and to inventory, and it's a, and um, but I thought it was fascinating. So I'm thinking, wow, this is great. And she said, the only problem we have is back in the heyday of Clorox, when this was the only game in town, if you will, they bought up every um, bottle supplier at the time. It's almost like McDonald's buying out all the wrappers for for hamburgers. These guys had bought up several different manufacturers of these plastic jars or tubs or whatever they shipped in. So this lady was lamenting the fact that with Clorox, this is probably going to be a 10-year project because they would literally have to start to shutter these factories that they, because they bought their own bottle bottler. They bought their own manufacturing of the bottles. And for them to change on a dime like that would, A, would save them billions, of course, but they would really have to look at it from a much bigger scale than you and I would. And, um, and that's kind of the other extreme where some of these companies just keep doing things the way they've always done it um, just because of yeah, they've always done it that way. It's really kind of, it was really, it took me by surprise. I was not expecting that lady to say that, but she said, yeah, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of jobs and um, it would be a big undertaking for them to switch. And that's really kind of sad. I mean, I've got to say that's, that's a, a- crazy case but I hats off to the company for picking that out you know and seeing that coming in the future right uh, on the other hand I'm always I'm, if I look at the uh, technology in terms of energy involved in making oh. a, a flexible pouch versus a, a bottle totally. uh, I've got to say like she could they, they can make these they can make these factories do other things like uh, they uh, think I think outside the box you know Correct. Throw the box away as we say yep. you no longer yep. got constraints at the box and do it but this is a this is a huge move. I mean, I was uh, just in the supermarket the other day, and you see now on the shelves, like, there was, there's a, a product that actually has been in a traditional blue bottle. You know, it's one of the, the blue and white of the, the standard things. And right. now, they're selling it side by side. They're selling the rigid packaging 
which is, I don't know what you, I think it's about one liter. And they're selling the refill, which is also one liter, exactly, you know, next to each other. And you can see that the, around the corner, there's a whole shelf full of refills and flexible packaging. So you can see that the bottle's under pressure. Um, when it and so, to, so do you see that? So it's kind of changing right before your eyes, no? Mm-hmm. You can take, I should actually start taking photographs. Actually, I did take some wow. photographs today to actually see it moving. And I've got to say, some of these products that they've put in, what you can see is that they're moving the, the first products to move are the easy ones. And then now comes the more aggressive ones. There was a project right. a, a few years ago um, where, I mean, whilst the flexible packaging uh, is pretty good, you've got to be careful how you put it together. If you put what is basically a, a, an acid inside a flexible pack, you've got to know what your materials are. You know? you sure. You just grab something. And so uh, the guys now are starting to understand how to do it here. And the very aggressive stuff with skulls and crossbones on it is moving into uh, flexible packaging. Um, but because the, the suppliers have gotten wise to the, the manufacturing process to make it as robust as the bottle. I mean, the bottle is still a very robust piece of hardware uh, when it comes to aggressive contents. Sure. Yeah. But, and there's uh, you stuff can that's see out there happening. now. You can so, totally see it happening because, I mean, I could definitely – we saw it years ago with uh, even packaging, well, frankly, alcohol and some things, which historically was always really tough on plastic. But I think that's a moot point now. Um, you were talking about wine, of course, earlier, um, and that's really kind of your in your hip pocket. That's your world. Um, but some of those things historically wasn't that long ago that they said, oh, you could never package that stuff in flexible film. Never. It would never survive. People would think uh, they would never drink fine wine out of plastic because it would taste bad, which is all nonsense, of course. Um, but they've, they continue to – this industry continues to evolve. And in a very short time, you can probably package just about anything um, in, in, in plastic and flexible packaging if it's mm-hmm. done properly. No, exactly. I mean, it, you could you, you could say that the, the great part about flexible packaging is that it's brand new and it's very easy to see uh, uh, the benefits. You can just calculate it. But definitely for the, the businesses that are looking at it, if you're looking in the U.S., the guys in the big rigid jars or whatever, yeah. um, you know, they, like it's not, it's not about uh, jump in. It's about choose the guy that, that can support you very well in the changeover, that can do some tests depending on what you've got in your product. Uh, and move across because I say like anything that's more efficient, uh, you've just got to pay more attention to it. You know, if Correct. you're driving a, a big old truck, it can take a lot more uh, before you notice anything changing. Whereas when you're driving something that's finely tuned, that takes up so much less energy, so much less space, but still is able to do the same job, you know that you've got to pay close attention and have a strong partner to, to help you with it. And this is something which, uh, which is so critical in the packaging world today when everyone is looking for that edge. Yep. Everyone is looking for how can we move. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, uh, if I look at what's happening uh, in uh, the northern United States, like it's here, it's arrived. Everyone's interested. Everyone knows about it. Firms in, in all the sort of associated businesses, be it like uh, the guys that do molds, be it the guys that do inks, be it the guys that do glues or labels, Yep. The guys who do closures are all aware, chaps, this is coming. This is coming. This is going to change our kind of business. Let's get some projects. Let's see what, what we can do be one step ahead of the rest. And that's, that's really great. It's going to create some opportunities. It's going to hurt some firms. But I yep. think in, in the end, it's going to generate and it's going to sort of revitalize the, the industry that, that you're absolutely deeply involved in. 
Well, and and the, it's a great tie-in too, because as you were talking about, we were talking about obviously liquids and um, bleach and all kinds of other stuff. But one of the things that kind of popped into mind was was the retort world. Um, it's happening now with some of the big colossal Campbell soup, which is you know that's like apple pie in the U.S. I mean this this is a brand that's been around forever, and they're now beginning to kind of realize, hey, wait a minute. We're, 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 we're packaging in these basically steel cans, um, and if we converted that over to flexible packaging that um, can be heated and cooked and then, then thrown away and recycled, um, that's so much better off for not just them, but the environment, for the end user, for the landfills, and for every – I mean, it just flows right down the whole, the whole chain, if you will – and, um, and, and are you finding that retort and, and those types of cook and bag applications are also pretty big in Europe? Well, I guess what I can say is maybe what I see is that uh, guys are moving the pasteurization process yep. up in temperature, up towards sterilization. That's yep. the big drive in Europe. The can, the mighty can, uh, is a, the real king of packaging. You know, you can yep. throw that can in the back of a 19... 19- Willis Jeep uh, and drive across the Sahara and chances are that can will still be intact. Yeah. So the, the, the can itself is a, is a mighty thing. Now what I can say, depending on what's in it, if it's the sort of destined for the light duty kitchen, uh, the retort pouch technology and the volume and the material knowledge is really coming in. What I see in Europe actually is a bigger drive from what is your standard plastic flexible packaging into something that really uh, gives you the best of both worlds. So you've got a low-cost pack. It doesn't cost you a lot, but you can really cook it well over 100 degrees. Correct. No problems to the laminate, with no danger of chemicals transferring into the food. And as a result, you've got a longer storage time. You've got a more guaranteed product. And we've got several projects running where the guys are changing the materials to be able to sort of cross the 100 degrees barrier um, and head towards sterilization with the, with, the standard, with the standard format pouch, which to me is much more exciting because the, the retort pouch um, is an interesting world uh, that's quite specific. Whereas right. what you have here is you have like a high-performance uh, everyman's standard Yes. Pouch. So, and I'm going to stay with that, and I, and I hate to butt in there, but I want to stay with that for a second. Why do you think, and I know we kind of danced around it earlier, but... Why do you think companies are so hesitant to even try this kind of stuff? Is it is it fear of the unknown, Andrew? Is it is it no? That's that's just not possible. Do they just think? I mean, how is it that because you you really have cut your teeth in your world um, to kind of really do those oddball things that not many not many people can do? Um, how do you get people to finally break through and really take a chance and try something new? I've got to say, what you do is you sit down with the guys who are, you know, what am I trying to say? You need a problem. That's the quickest way. You need the guys to say, we've been using this and it's not giving us what we want. Be it we want more decoration, be it we want more shelf life, uh, be it that we, we are just uh, wanting the edge. You need the guys to sit around and say, we're willing to try something to solve the problem right. to get to the next level. Right. And uh, like right now, let's say actually about three days ago, I was actually knee deep in sauerkraut 
Um, there's a very interesting story behind that. Um, Keep going. I love it. <laughs> and uh, just in terms of the guys trying to get the edge here, and this is a massive, massive industry, very seasonal. Um, just in terms of looking at new uh, procedures to, to give them the edge. But what you could see is that the whole company realized, okay, you know, we can get more out of our product if we look at the packaging. And that makes everything so much easier for the packaging supplier because they open the door and say, we don't actually understand how your packaging works, but we think you might be able to offer us more. And that's the sort of key. I mean, you can do some sort of heavy-handed direct approach stuff, right, but then right. you need to have a lot of luck on your side. Yeah, You can say to the guys, hey, uh, some of the big brands are doing this kind of research. All of a sudden, the door's open. And uh, in this case, it, well, it wasn't the door. It was the, the roof through which sauerkraut was pouring onto a guy who was busy digging it with a fork standing basically oh. waist deep in sauerkraut. Wow. I'd never, I didn't actually know there was so much sauerkraut in the world. Uh, I, I was going to say, I don't, it takes a lot of cabbage to do that, man. Yeah, I've got you've never I've never thought about sauerkraut as a as a dangerous product, you know, uh, and this guy, um Pierre was uh in this it's hard to describe. It's about something about half the size of a of a, a basketball court. About what? Let me put it in what in yards. So it's got to be about 6 to 7 yards high. And sauerkraut is raining down. I mean, it's not like, oh, look, sauerkraut. I mean, you can hardly see Pierre standing in the sauerkraut swimming pool, and it's right. raining down. And he's alone and it, in there. And I was like, hey. It's got a pretty Pierre? good stench to it if you're not used to that vinegar kind of smell either. That don't, that I'm don't, pretty that'll sure he doesn't. He, I mean, I, I wasn't sure whether he was working or fighting for his life. Um, <laughs> what I was concerned about is like, hey, man, Pierre's working pretty hard down there, you know, like yeah. tossing and making sure it's level. What if he like didn't have lunch and he gets, a, you know, and he overexerts himself? I mean, he could drown in sauerkraut. And I mean, I just didn't think, I didn't think that was possible, you know. And That's I'd a like bad to, way to go. Yeah, uh. I've got to say, it's just not something I considered. And I didn't know when I was looking at Pierre from my safety perch about, you know, far off the ground, I didn't know whether to feel sorry Uh <laughs> Whether to go and join this man or yes, just to stand back exactly. in admiration and say, here is a guy who just, I mean, when he talks about, you know, my, my daily job, I mean, his people are not going to understand. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's one of those ones, uh, poor Pierre, because we want to, you know, we, we really want to kind of, part of us wants to be able to kind of uh, uh, take him from that kind of world. But on the other hand, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool story to kind of be able to tell. <laughs> but, I mean, I, uh, no, no, without geez. a doubt, everyone in this firm loves sauerkraut. There's a special bond in oh, every yeah. man there, in every man and woman. That was very clear. Um, and if you say you like sauerkraut, you are immediately one of the brother and sisterhood. This was clear. Well, my Eastern European background um, and my family absolutely loves sauerkraut. You can never have enough sauerkraut. So uh, it's become a big business back here in the States where sauerkraut now is flavored and you've got roasted mm. garlic, you've got peppered sauerkraut. You know, years ago, it was just, just literally that brine, that sort of um, vinegary type of sauerkraut. Now it's become a, almost a gourmet thing to put with, with everything. It's bizarre. Yeah, last question. Do they do it in jars or are they inflexible yes. packaging? Yeah, in no, jars? it's of course it's they you know what? They they still do it in jars 
And if it's inflexible packaging, it's in the it's not stand up. It's literally like in a flat pillow pack, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It just it, it, and and half the time it's um, uh, it's one of those things that you have to go looking for. So there is that opportunity, you know, between um, you know doing something gourmet because that's really what they're selling it as a gourmet type of sauerkraut. Um, but again, that first knee jerk reaction is, well, put it in a jar. Put it in a jar. Yeah. Put it in a yeah, soup this- jar, soup can. It's like stop. Look gla- at flexible the, first. The glass jar is uh, to me the more direct, uh, sort of easy switch because right. it's transparent. Right. Uh, it's got some barrier, but it's it's heavy and it's bulky. And I yep. say the you can offer almost identical properties with identical functions. Uh, with even more decoration. And so this is where the more logical place where you find it. When it comes to soup, I mean, the guys are doing some stuff here. Um, but I say the soups were in the sort of glass jars, the sort of uh, pasteurized or sterilized butternut, things like this. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that with the way the materials are going, uh, I say you can see, you've seen this temperature jump in standard products. And right. I think this is going to rattle onto the super retort pouch, as you say, the one that can, the guys are going to go up to the higher point to be able to match the uh, storage time that you can get out of a, out of a can. Yeah, uh, totally. Is um, you totally. can get about three to four years out of a can, huh? which, yep. is, which, is, which is massive. Um, whereas even out of a retort pouch, I mean, that's, that's pushing, pushing it to the, the highest level. Huh? Uh, yeah, the mighty really the mighty can and the and the heavy glass jar. Those are those are topics that you know. Again, um, we're going to continue to continue continue till we're blue in the face. But those are those are things that definitely flexible packaging should take a dent out of uh, yeah. as this market evolves. What I, I mean, what I've always wanted to do, uh, you know, since I've known about the show and listened to it, is I'd love to take you guys live, you know, and we can talk to Pierre in the sauerkraut swimming pool. Or to these guys that are busy feeding the fish. Yes. You never knew that fish ate so much. Like, you never seen this. You never seen fish this size. That's another thing. You're like, man, uh, are you sure this is all natural? Because those are some of the biggest fish I've ever seen. I don't want to get too close to the tank. Right. Uh, To sort of maybe even that would be some, that would be something fantastic to introduce is really go live to where the chaps are filling and ask them why they make the decisions. But, and maybe not the, the small guys, but the chaps are really sort of, Pushing the mold or going an against interesting the show. Rank. Yeah, because you'd almost want to say, because I know a lot of times people would say, well, we do it this way because Joe says we have to. Or, well, frankly, or they'll give us that, that, that excuse of, well, our equipment's set up for that. But like mm-hmm. you said earlier, we were talking about Clorox before, you know, you can retrofit those, those machines to, um, you know, so you're filling a box, you can make it now fill a bag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the the excuses that people love to throw at us are uh, really getting old because they just they they just don't hold as much weight as they used to. If you know what well, I mean. Well, I think I'll uh, I'll pop you some some pictures from the uh, detergent and sort of heavy cleaning aisle uh, of my local sort of American sized supermarket. And, uh, <laughs> you'll be amazed. You know, it's a it's a flexible packaging man's dream to to walk oh, yeah. down this aisle and you just go. Wow, <laughs> somebody did their homework. And, uh, <laughs> you've got to say that uh, you know uh, this this is coming, and I say the the guys are pushing, pushing, and at, uh, at some point it's going to switch over into the states, and uh, it, it already has in, a, in a, a, some small firms. Some small, yeah, small exactly. Firm. 
Well, let's say, say it's going to be great. Let's stay a little bit with the um, one of the things you and I chatted about back and forth. This, give me the topic. This floating floating plastic waste. What did you mean when you and I were trading some emails back and forth? Fill us in on what's going on with that and where you were kind of going with that, because I'd love to hear it. Well, what you, I mean, there's a there's a big push, uh, obviously, for recycling. But to be right. honest, like when the whole of Europe recycles, uh, it does you know it does overload the recycling process. There there isn't right. a, a ton of use for it. now. When it comes to floating plastic waste, now this is the stuff that sort of goes around Hawaii and the Pacific yep. Islands and. Yep get stuck like there's a tremendous amount of of uh, very uh low density plastics that just sort of slowly slowly break up don't sink and to be honest take up a lot of space yes um now there's a there's a couple of projects that the guys are bashing around here in in europe about making plastic sink uh hmm. this was something that that to design a whole range of of polymers that are heavier than water um this is one topic um, but I, and the other topic is also to try and go with uh, uh, sort of a very, very minimalist um, material aspect. So the guys have to use everything uh, 10 times, but this is, you know, so that you don't, you don't have this throwaway culture. Um, but this only works in, in very advanced, involved sort of sure. societies where you've got all the systems to handle the sort of returnability. So the biggest drive here when it comes to to plastic waste is to reduce the amount of plastic going into the system. Yep. That is something that you can measure, that you can say, and that you can control. And so the guys can actually say, your plastic contains so much chemicals, so many grams, it's so much of a density. And they've even started doing a tax on the energy contained in manufacturing your plastic part here in the States. I mean, here oh, in, in no. Europe. Wow. So this is a, because you could say this is a, a concrete way. As soon as you start invest, inve- inventing non-existing plastics, they don't always work or they don't offer the same procedures or they're not able to work with the same levels of flexible stuff like this. So you end up creating problems where as soon as you say, guys, we need to minimize and we need to track everything that you're pouring into your plastic plant to produce, uh, you can very quickly see if the guy is actually producing efficient packaging, using efficient packaging or not. Um, that's, that's fascinating because that's, yeah, you're right. Um, I never thought of it. That, that's, that would really help. And so this is, I mean, whilst you might say 20 years, maybe we're somewhere, um, what you could say is that plastics that are heavier than water, I mean, these are few and far between and they're not flexible. Right. Um, and if you start trying to make sort of everything super heavy, it's still going to get thrown away, you know, super thick and, and oh, yeah. heavy. Right. It's still going to get thrown away and it's going to take even longer to break up to turn into sure. whatever it is. If you minimize it, if you, if you think about it, we still drive petrol and diesel cars. Correct. Just less petrol and less diesel. Well, and that's that's a that's a great that's a great comment because I, you know a lot of times people get caught up in these newfangled um, materials that are out there and all this other kind of crap that that are quote unquote biodegradable and all this other jazz. But at the end of the day, and you and I talked about this, I believe, in our first mm. time together, mm. was that the best way to help our environment far and away to this day is reduce the amount of packaging that goes either to a landfill or is disposed yeah. of or whatever. Um, exactly. You know, you can, you can get into all these other foo-foo um, magic dust out there to make something that's going to biodegrade within 30 days or explode or something, whatever that, you know, I'm being, being funny, but it does happen. Po- <laughs> yeah. Well that, yeah, unfortunately, but 
but the point is, is that, you know, stick with something that we know works, um, that we know is effective, um, and that, you know, reducing how much plastic you use, taking something that's, that's using something that's even semi-rigid or rigid, of course, but semi-rigid and reduce it even further. I mean, those are things that are 20, 30, 40% savings or reductions, I should say, uh, in plastic, which is a direct ad- advantage or benefit that we all benefit from. Yeah, I've got, I think I've got a, a good final comparison. I mean, I can remember the uh, aisle in Walmart with all your detergents and things in yep. it. And yep. I think you could take the same length of aisle with flexible packaging and you could drain everything and you could put the used packaging in your car. Oh, yeah. They're able to fit it into your car, whereas you would need a 40-foot truck to pack. You would have to you'd need yeah. to take the aisle with you Correct. out of Walmart. And I think when, that, when the people sort of realize that, it's just A-OK for, uh, for flexible packaging. And, and that's why it's a growth market right now. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's, why, that's why we're on the, sh- we're on the show with you, with you just <laughs> absolutely uh, finding more stuff that flexible packaging is, 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 uh, is great. We never hear of anyone going back from flexible to rigid. That's, you're, exa- you're exactly right. I've never heard it put that way, but that's an excellent point because no one ever goes back. And I think that's <laughs> something to, to really and truly stay with that um, down the road. And I, I mean, I think that's a really cool point because, um, you know, we've seen, we've seen other people monkey around with different types of plastic or di- different types of packaging, I should say. But once you go with the flexible side of things, there's, there's no, there's no going back. It changes, it changes the world. And, and I think this is, you know, and I, I am so determined, Andrew, we talked about this when we had dinner last, was that to be able to walk down a Walmart aisle or even our local grocer here and not see every single detergent in this big, heavy gauge, thick plastic pour bottle um, to get into something flexible, which we know can make a huge difference all the way around. Yeah, I, I, I think we'll do the storage aisle, pack it in your Buick kind of presentation yes, thing. Yes, correct. <laughs> and and then, right. then we're going to tie in going over to the sauerkraut factory. We'll do that one as Yo, well. That's an, I'm going to have a think about how I can do the most spectacular live show, <laughs> preferably with some risk of, of, of drowning in some form of produce. <laughs> I want and, to be there. Uh, and I'll, I'll let you know uh, where, where I can do this from, you know, like uh, <laughs> definitely with, with sound effects in the background and, and preferably saying, oh, you know, the, the, com- the computer is under the sauerkraut now. But I'll, ha- I'll think about bringing some, some spectacular uh, <laughs> Let's do that. plans into it. Let's do that. Hey, brother, it was always good catching up with you. The, the time flies by like I knew it would. We completely didn't even stop for a break. We just chatted, just two friends chatting, and I loved it. It was great. I Dave, hope you'll come honestly, back. Honestly, like, uh, I've got a feeling this recording is going to be the most international one that you've made yet. Uh, all the best. Have a great time, and I'll catch, you on the, I'll catch you on the next flight to the U.S. You got it, brother, and Merry Christmas, and Happy hey. New Year to all you guys, too. And same to you, and all the best to the family, huh? Thanks. Thanks to you as well, bud. See you, pal. Cheers, Dave. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week.
you've got a great product. And it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. 